Hi, my friends, and welcome into today's episode of Forte Catholic. Uh, we have a very exciting episode for you today. I just can't act very excited right now because I forgot to uh, record these intros, outros, and our commercials for today. And so I'm currently doing it at 11.46 p.m. the night before this show comes out. But I promise you that I'm my normal rambunctious self uh, with Father Anthony today. We have some great conversations. Uh, we talk about empowering lay people and lay people's role in the church. We talk about intinction, which is our fancy word of the day, it has to do with receiving the Eucharist. We also talk about healing prayer and some of my fears about taking big leaps of faith and be and, and asking God for big things in prayer. We get a little introspective, we laugh, we have fun. We hope that you enjoy it. And I promise you, it is less muted than I currently am right now. Enjoy. Catholic. I am Taylor Stroll. That is Father Anthony Strappa. Father Anthony, how are you today, buddy? I'm doing all right. Uh, I am the boss of my parish this week. Uh, my pastor Ooh. is away, so I am giving myself a raise and uh, telling all the employees that they don't have to work this week. So we've just been partying. It's been great. Dude, I'm, I'm really happy for you. You're going to get three, uh, go all the way up to $3 an hour now. Exactly. It's a big <laughs> deal. I'm buying uh, myself a candy bar. Well, I'm I'm glad I could hear you, but I can't see you like I normally can. What's going on? Oh, uh, well, I mean, uh, I thought that it would be more liturgically uh, appropriate if we started the podcast this way. Yeah, so um, I recently went to a mass that was ad orientum, and I thought of you, and I was like, you know what? Here's what we need to do, my buddy. Mm -hmm. um, we need to uh, do what I think is probably the first ever Catholic podcast, ad orientum. It might be, because uh, it's probably not a very good bit, uh, but uh, we're brave enough to try it. So here we are. I think it's hilarious that it's going to get at least 400 views whenever I clip this out and put it on uh, uh, you know, Facebook and Instagram. Well, I, I hope so. It's only the, <laughs> only the real Catholics will appreciate it. All the normies, they won't like it. Okay, well, typically for an ad orientum mass, you only have the readings and stuff ad orientum, but the homily, the priest turns around and looks at us and talks to English. So we're going to go ahead true. and do that now, because this is more like oh. a homily than, than the oh, religion. Oh, word. Uh, okay. <laughs> oh, hey, I can see you. Oh, you look great. Hi. <laughs> Hello. So uh, we recently had our uh, third ever men's, men's retreat for our Fort Catholic men's retreats. You came to the first one, and one of the things that we did, you know, it's like, it's this very funny thing to me, because it's like, to me, when I hear, like, ad orientum and, like, Latin, I think, like, big church, no lights, maybe a few candles, yeah, and, like, you know, everyone walks in, and like, you know, like, not, not humming as in, like, la-di-da-da, but, like, oh, like, that's how people walk in, like, not the singers, just, like, normal people. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so then we, we go to these retreats, and at these retreats, we're like in a house and having mass celebrated on a table with a bed sheet over it and a candle that we found that may or may not have been a birthday candle. Uh, nice. And we have to like find, you know, two sticks to start the fire. Like, it, <laughs> so like having mass at a retreat site, like, which is essentially like a rustic house to my view of Latin mass or Ad Oriental mass, it was just very different. 
Yeah, uh, you know, it, it's uh, it, a lot of times it depends when I do like house masses. Sometimes I'll do it out at Orientum because it's just easier because furniture is set up that way. Like actually at my brother's place, there's like a um, uh, like a fake fireplace with a mantle. And it actually works really well to say mass against it. So I do at Orientum there. But I think I did facing the people when we did our retreat. Um, you did. You did a yeah. couple out Orientum. You did a, a little bit of halvesies. You wanted to make everybody ha- happy. You you did do one. I remember out Orientum, and there's oh, okay, one. Yeah. I think. I think what I remember is that you did like the daily masses, like facing the people. Mm-hmm. But I think for our weekend mass, our Saturday evening vigil, you said it out Orientum because it was a bigger feast, and we, and you like to do it that way. Sure. And I remember that we did it because we were in a small, con- like confined place. Yeah. And. There are certain times where the priest has to bow during mm-hmm. like the consecration. Yes. And like we were right there. Like <laughs> <laughs> So I remember very specifically that uh that you said mass ad orientum because yes. yeah. Um so we had our our third men's retreat and we had mass at the house and there was a priest that I had never met before. He's very very kind to to come over. He he had no connection to us whatsoever. But I was like, hey, I met, I, was like, I met, reached out to him on Instagram. Hey, you want to come say mass and hear confessions of people you've never met? And he, and he did. And yes. I, I was just very happy because he's a young priest like you. He's probably a few years younger than us. He's only been a priest yeah. for two years. And he was comfortable enough to like say, hey, guys, would you mind if I said mass out orientum? And we're like, mm-hmm. no problem at all. Like the, the table was already set up. We just So the only thing that I learned from my experience from you is I yeah. just moved the table up a few feet so that whatever he had to bow, you know, we all still had our dignity. <laughs> yes. That's see, that's good. So that's that's where I got this idea of I I wrote a note right after mass. I was like, we have to do a podcast out orientum. We have to do it. <laughs> we have to do it. <laughs> Which is great because uh let's see. Ten percent of people that listen to slash watch this show, ten percent watch it on YouTube. YouTube.com. Oh, right. I forgot about that. Most people are just <laughs> the other ninety percent are like, what are you talking about? So hello, audio listeners. You know, hello to ninety percent of our listeners who uh are just going to have to laugh at it when they see it on social media because that's definitely nice. getting clipped out 100%. Um, so one of my first, not my first, wait, maybe it was. I think my first ever English Ad Orientum was, was with you. I could be wrong, but there's there's only been a handful. Yeah. So this was, this was second or maybe third, right? Um, but that's not the question that I, that I have for you and a question that I had for you pretty quickly after. So that, that priest came out for a daily mass. Sure. But that was on Friday evening. He heard a confessions, uh, said mass. It was on St. Blaze's feast day. So he blessed our throats with very silly little candles because it's all nice. fine. That's awesome. Um, but then we went to the local parish and like the local parish, it was so small. Like we doubled, like we, we had nine guys on the retreat, eight guys on the retreat. And we doubled the mass. <laughs> it was yeah. hilarious. <laughs> they had a little choir that was like yeah. two people and we were louder than them. Like we were leading the songs by the end of mass because we That's couldn't awesome. even hear them anymore. Yeah. Um but there was something at this mass that I had to ask you about and that I would like to hear your thoughts on now. Okay. Uh this is a first my first time ever going to this parish. It's the diocese of of Lake Charles, southern Louisiana, like we were like legitimately surrounded by the Gulf of Mexico. Like yeah. we, it's, it's that part of Louisiana that really isn't land. It's like mostly water, you know? Yeah. Um, so we go to this parish 
And every now and then, I think if, if you've been Catholic long enough and you do any kind of traveling, just for, for vacation, for work, whatever it is, I think a, enough of us have had the experience of going to a church that says Catholic Church on it that you find out within a few minutes or maybe <laughs> maybe you still have questions leaving. You're like, was that a valid mass? <laughs> yes. Was that a Catholic mass? Mm-hmm. What did I just go to? Because there are a lot of offshoots that still call themselves Catholic. I'm not even talking about people who are like, oh, you don't agree with all the doctrine. No, I mean, like, legitimately, they're not a part of the Catholic Church, but it still says Catholic <laughs> Church on, the, on their wall. We, we had some questions after going to this local parish. Fascinating. Primarily because of one thing and one thing only. Hmm. There was some old, uh, older style, more traditional things. So the mass wasn't said ad orientum, but there was an altar rail. Mm-hmm. So like communion was, and that's a, that's a thing that at least down here in the South, we don't have a lot of. There's not a lot of altar rails. And the like, so meaning that we used them for communion. Like You like even, knelt at the altar rail. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So, like, even some churches that I've been in still physically have them, but, like, communion still, like, hey, walk up, like a quote-unquote normal, like, what the most common experience of Catholicism over the last, you know, our lifetimes. Yeah. Um, but I was the second person in line. So, like, there's a oh. lady in the front row, and she goes and kneels, but she was also, like, the lector, and she works at the parish, and she was the like uh not the em because they didn't have em but like yeah. she, she was she was a lector and a greeter and a, like everything that you can do that's not the priest she did yes. so <laughs> she went up and knelt and i'm looking around like we're like i said we're literally half the mass and i'm next i'm the person that has like i'm like what uh, what what what, See, what do i do <laughs> that's fun because you don't know if that's like the normal thing of a parish or if she's just a crazy person like, or if she's just like or if she's going to be the em because i'm still not sure at this point yeah. If we are doing community community real, I have done it, but usually I'm like in the back and I'm like the 85th person to go. And I'm right. Catholic. Everybody that's Catholic has at some point had to learn by watching somebody else. But mm-hmm. I'm watching one lady. And as you said, she could be crazy. She could be like the EM. And all of a sudden he's like, oh, you're the EM now. And I'm like, oh, no. Like what happened? You know. So uh, anyway, we go to the community real, which I have done before. That wasn't the craziest part. It was silly, but it wasn't the craziest part. <laughs> the craziest part was I received communion in a way that I have only done one other time before. Okay. And it was at the Byzantine Rite Catholic Church. Ooh. We are not at a Byzantine Rite Catholic Church. We are at a Roman Catholic Church, or so we think. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I, you know, uh, very shyingly, that's not a word, uh, very, very slowly and unsuredly walk up to the communion rail. And again, I'm the second person in line. So I go to, I'm kneeling and I go Mm -hmm. and I put my hands out and I have my hands out because I'm second in line. But I watch the lady who may or may not be crazy Mm -hmm. receive on the tongue, which is fine. I've seen people do it. I've done it before. Like mostly for me, I, I, my preference is receiving the hand, but like if I'm carrying a baby, which I've done for many years, Mm -hmm. I receive on the tongue. But then I see father take the host the jesus jesus's body dip it into jesus's blood and put that into her mouth and i'm immediately like i can't receive on my hands <laughs> no no you cannot now that's so not going to work at all so i very confusingly stick uh-huh. out my tongue yeah and he does the same for me he takes the body of christ dips it into the into the blood puts it on my tongue uh-huh. 
I go back to my pew and I look around and all the guys in their treat were all kind of looking at each other like, hmm, <laughs> <laughs> what just happened? <laughs> so have you seen this before? Uh, have you seen it before, period? Like, have you ever been to a Byzantine rite? Yes, I've been to a Byzantine rite before. And uh, uh, I forget exactly which Byzantine one it was, but they used uh, intinction. With like, actually, they had like a little clip thingy and they had um, little square pieces of fluffy bread. And they dipped the fluffy bread in the wine and gave it that way. Right. I think it was a, yeah. 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 They're like little tongs. They're like, yeah. you know, spiritual tongs. I'm sure there's and, some fancy word for them. Yeah. And sometimes uh, they but, use a spoon, but this one was a tongue, I think. Yeah. Yeah. But like when I received it, the Byzantine, right, it was more like, quote unquote, actual bread, like not unleavened yeah. bread. It was like piece, little pieces of bread. They dipped it in the, the wine, the blood of mm-hmm. Christ. And then they and then you would put it in your mouth, in, in your mouth. Right. And then yeah. put the little yeah. tong things back. But this was like unleavened bread, like a quote, like a quote unquote typical host, typical um, blood of Christ, typical, you know, typical wine. Like everything else was normal. Mm-hmm. And we received this is called intinction, like you said. Mm-hmm. We received that way. And we have a lot of theology nerds on this retreat. So let's Shame. just say we, we just prayed, we finished Mass, we belted out the last song, you know, yeah. as we're leaving everybody's like oh who are you people can you come back tomorrow morning we're like no like we're here saturday night you know no, no, no. <laughs> so we're leaving and we're going to dinner and on the way to dinner everybody in both cars was googling usccb and diocese like charles and like can we do this did we just we did what we we did what everybody else was doing but is yeah. it okay to do this so have you ever seen this before oh uh so uh i have seen it before but i've never seen it like for the congregation um I think I've seen it a few times, but during COVID, basically, whenever there was priests can celebrating or, or you had a deacon, uh, we would use intinction, intinction to receive and then just give hosts to the congregation. I don't think I've seen in a Latin rite church, um, they do, I mean, doing intinction for like the congregation. So that that I have not seen, um, but I'm pretty sure there's nothing wrong with it. It just, yeah, but that's, that's definitely a, a new one for me. Yeah, it was really interesting. So, like, we had, like, mixed feelings about it, right? There was some confusion just because of the newness of it. There was some kind of shock of, like, oh, we're doing this, you know? Like, yeah. we're all, yeah. we're, we're, like, trying to be a good little Catholic boy. It's like, yes, whatever you say, Father, mm-hmm. you know? Um, mm-hmm. But as we're leaving, we want to know, like, do we need to go to Mass tomorrow morning? We weren't planning on it, but do we need to go somewhere else, you know? Um, yeah. And so we're Googling. We, we find all there's diocesan guidelines. We're in the diocese of, of like Charles at the time. We also find USCCB guidelines that says it's it's totally okay. It's totally yeah. a perfectly good way to do it. It's just so rare for us to see. Like, there were two of us, two of the eight of us that had ever received by intinction, period, and both of them were at Catholic rites that are Catholic, just not Roman rite, not the Latin right, rite, right? right. Um, so some guys were, like, completely baffled. Like, what yeah. was that? Other guys were like, we know Catholics can do this, but can we do it here? Like, there's yeah, just so yeah, many different yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, ultimately learned, yeah, it was perfectly fine. Uh, so once we got to the, at, like, past the shock and the, like, what was that? You know, I'm, I'm sure Jesus was like those silly boys, you know? Yes, um, for sure. But after receiving that way, so you said that you've received that way just during COVID was primarily the way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that I'm guessing that was some kind of like, let's not share germs with the deacon kind of thing. Yeah, it's like it's not, it's not everyone's like drinking from the chalice. That way right. you, you still receive from the chalice, but it's through the intinction. 
So it was so just this was a cool. So yeah, after the after the shock and awe wore off, all of us were like, "That was incredibly cool." Like yeah. it took 30, 40 minutes for us to be like, okay, is this acceptable? <laughs> then once we realized that, we're like, it, it was a really cool experience. Because looking back at it, some of the guys, like my diocese brought back the cup for the lay people, uh, like the blood for the lay people like a yeah. year ago or so. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll share my experience with that in a minute. But there are some other guys that came from like Dallas-Fort Worth where those bishops have not brought back the chalice for for everybody you know the priest would receive and just have a little bit of wine that turned into the blood just Mm -hmm. enough for him and then that'd be over and then everybody got to receive the body yeah and uh there's a lot of those guys that had not been able to receive they haven't received the blood of christ in two years since Mm -hmm. covid hit um so that was really cool for them because this was a way that they were able to receive where like you didn't have to worry about germs right right um because there's only one hand touching it, and it was Father's, and he touched the body too. So if he's sick, it, you're already screwed. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah, he told you so much. Yeah. Uh, but what was cool for me is just as a personal reflection, like ever since, you know, one of the big things that I had to work through when COVID hit was like, I always felt like I was getting half of Jesus when I just had the body, and half of Jesus when I just got the blood. And like, even if I just like intellectually knew that that's not how it works it's still how it felt right sure. i was like i'm only getting half well, i used to get all of jesus now i only get half when no you still uh, get all of jesus but it does it's a different experience sure right so then i like accepted the whole okay all of jesus is just in the body so much so to the fact that when the blood came back i was like if i can get all of jesus in the body i don't want to risk getting sick like i'm i am uh a weak boy when it comes to getting sick, especially yeah. with like uh, allergies and colds and the flu and all that kind of stuff. If like somebody is in my on my block that gets sick, I'm going to get sick, right? Yeah. So I got to the point where I was like, I'm not going to receive the blood, the blood, because mm-hmm. if, if I can get it all from the body, I'm not going to. And it was still kind of a I don't want to get germs or spread germs because again, I might already be sick and just not know it yet. Yeah. You know. Um, but this was a cool way. Like the intinction was a really cool way. It it, it solved it for me because yeah. then I'm like, I'm not going to get anybody sick. Nobody's going to get me sick, and I can still receive the body and the blood. I think we should be doing this everywhere. I think it should be the primary way that we receive communion. Period. Like period. Point blank. Like that's it. I I, I loved it that much. Um. So I mean, I think it's a cool way to receive. I think the probably the main reason why it doesn't happen is probably just a coordination thing so you need someone there holding the patent uh probably holding the patent with the host for father he probably is holding the chalice i assume and he's grabbing the host and tainting and, and giving to it well one not everyone likes receiving on the tongue so if you do a big parish where that's how you do it and you're kind of forcing everyone to receive on the tongue that way that's going to cause that's there's going to be letters to the bishop for that one yeah. you know i hate being told what to do but i yeah. love this so i want to force it on everybody yeah so <laughs> That's very Catholic in its own yeah, way. <laughs> <I know> it <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it's probably, and then, uh, yeah, I think it would just take longer probably because you have to be a little bit more careful. Um, so I think it's probably just a practical reason. But if you have a small congregation like what where you're at, yeah, that sounds great. Um, I think we should put altar rails in the back and on the sides as well so that 
every you could go in still go in multiple directions it's still as fast because i don't want to add any more time to the mass the mass right. does not need to be any longer and okay. if this is going to make it longer just put all you know typically you have like father and deacon up front and then you have mm-hmm. like the two lay people in the back and maybe two lay people on the sides put altars everywhere just kneel everywhere point them in all the directions i, I too like the idea <laughs> of caging the lay people in <laughs> Because they get rowdy. You got to keep them all in one, one liturgical pen there with the altar rails going all around the church. So, yeah, yeah okay. Once the um, first reading is over, you're locked in or locked out, no matter mm-hmm. what happens. You can be a little late. We're a little merciful. But once the first reading is over, once the psalm comes on that nobody's going to listen to or remember, that's the moment. You have to be locked out or locked in. That's it. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say, like, sometimes, uh, you know, with some of our older uh, extraordinary ministers of communion who get a little shaky – uh, that could be dangerous as well if you have some shaky Eucharistic ministers who, one, might poke you in the eye when you try to receive it on tongue, might fling some blood of Christ around there too. So you have to be careful of that. You have to uh, um, get the right volunteers as well. But, you know, it's possible. It's possible. We make our liturgical uh, cage uh, of lay people. And yeah, sure. Why not? Let's do it. He'll poke your eye out. Yes. <laughs> I just thought it was great. I thought it was really cool, and I think it's an experience that most people have not gotten to experience, and I yeah. think more people should. So there's a little bit of serious, uh, silliness on the end of it, but I really, I don't, I don't think it should be forced on everybody, but I do think we should do it every now and then because it was really cool. I yeah. liked it, and I, I was like, you know, some, some uh, you know, like people that listen to the show know that like a lot of the more traditional things I'm not a super fan of. I'm like, I'm glad other people get to do it, but it's not really my thing. Yeah. Autorientum, I'm cool with. Latin, yeah. I like knowing what's going on, right? Yeah. Uh, so, like, those are just my personal preferences, and I made the jokes. Like, just my personal preference doesn't mean I need to force it on everybody, right? Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> kind of my it's one of my biggest pet fees, which is why I made the joke. But, um, but as a fan of options, I just think it should be an option. Like, why am I 33 years old? I've worked for the church my entire adult life, and this is only the first time. This is the first time I've ever received through intinction at a Roman rite when it's allowed. Like, I just think we should be doing it more. Yeah, uh, like I said, I mean, the only problem is it's 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 it could easily be a not a lot of work, but there are so many things that go on in a parish that a lot of times the last thing anybody wants to do is mess with the liturgy stuff for good or for ill. Um, so I think you, you see hesitation on the part of uh, pastors with that stuff, but yeah, like I, I said, there's nothing wrong with it. I know you say you're busy a lot, but I mean, it's quite literally your job. So I'm not going to let you complain about an extra two or three minutes at your masses. I'll complain about an extra two or three minutes in your homilies, but you know, <laughs> I'm just saying that you, you like, sometimes you don't want to mess with, the stuff that people are used to. Because they get cranky. You people are very cranky people. Change anything and we get all kinds of emails and stuff. Yeah. I don't want Here's that. Here's what I need you to do. I need what? you to become the pastor of a parish that has eight people per Sunday mass. Okay. And require addiction. <laughs> that sounds great. <laughs> I'm all for that. And then you won't be busy enough so you can finally, you know, work on the mass, priest. <laughs> Yeah. The All best right, don't go anywhere. We'll ever. be right back, and I'll uh, put Father Anthony in some more awkward situations. It'll Yay. Be fun. 
If you're enjoying today's show and want more of what Forte Catholic has to offer, check out our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Forte Catholic. It's where you can find the last like 150 episodes of this show in video form. We've also got our foundations course that's complete. It's done. It's our uh, 10 videos on like the 10 things that Catholics need to know the most, like an introduction or reintroduction to Catholicism. It's been going very well at our parish. People are really enjoying it and uh, growing in their faith. So why not try it out? Uh, we've also got our Catholic Perspective series where we look at some of our favorite video games, movies, TV series. Uh, we've got a, a lot there from some of the best movies, TV shows uh, that have come out over the last couple of years. We've also got some coming out soon, which include a movie I just watched, Ant-Man and, and the Wasp, Quantumania. We are also um, going to do one that has a cuss word in the title. Uh, we'll bleep it out during the show, so it'll be fine, but that will be an interesting one. We're also going to have some more in our Catholic Comedian series. We've got a great interview coming out this week so uh check all that out over on youtube.com slash forte catholic we hope you enjoy it welcome back to forte catholic i am taylor stroll that is father anthony jeremiah shirapa mm. uh i saw something we are, we are as we're recording this our parish mission is going on and it's uh some of our friends doing the Paris mission, Chris, Chris Bartlett, who was on the men's retreat and we've played video games together. You're, you seem confused. His name is Ninjaro on, on the internet. Ah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, he's leading the Paris mission with uh, my wife's boss and DRE at our parish, Kevin Kapczynski. Uh, cool. No one asked me to help at all, uh, which is just uh, thrilling. But um, I thought it was, I, I, we were at the Paris mission last night and it was cool. Like I've led, a parish mission before i've led stuff like parish mission before so it's you know pretty similar kind of thing it's like i'm used to a priest come up do the opening prayer i'll do some kind you know me or the mission leader will do like a 10 minute like you know some kind of interactive thing whether it's a game or it's a like hey you know little, like ask your neighbor about this question or whatever share the you know what's what's the what's the gospel in one minute with your neighbor or whatever and then we come back i'll give like a 30 minute talk and then we'll have some kind of prayer it's like i'll lead people through lexio divina i'll lead people through praise and worship i'll lead like if father wants to stick around we'll do adoration confession that sort of thing right that's a pretty typical parish mission or like worship night at the parish sure. uh last night was not that last night was the first time i've ever seen like a family focused Paris mission. Okay. So tonight I'm going to the Paris mission and it's more kind of like what I just said. Chris is going to give a talk to the adults, 30 minutes. We'll do some kind of prayer. Kevin will lead us in adoration. I think or uh, in, in worship. And I think we're going to do adoration. So, you know, more typical kind of thing. Last night was different. It was in our, in, not in our church. Tonight's in our church, you know, typical Paris mission. Last night was in our, our pack, our parish activity center. It was, a. Uh, uh, the knights cooked burgers and hot dogs. We all did like potluck sides and drinks and desserts. And there was like hundreds of people there. Cool. And like half of them were small children. Like it was Yay. four families and they just showed up. Right. Yeah. So you're not going to do like, hey, we're going to play Lexio for 25 minutes. No, right? like, no. It was silly. They got the kids involved. They got us dancing. They got us singing. They got us uh, playing these silly games like with our priests. Like it was like reverse charades where our priests were having a guess. It was it was just a blast. It was so much fun. But my favorite part of last night and it is a image that is seared into my mind and I don't think it's going to go anywhere for a while. 
we were in the middle of so after kind of the silliness there was yeah. like a five ten minutes uh, or after the silliness there's five to ten minutes of like hey parents we know that you know and adults we know that you've been here this whole time here's something for you and it was okay. a five to eight minute like you know kind of little mini talk right cool and at the end of that they had us do a more serious prayer. Like we had been doing some silly prayers with the kids, it's like real prayers, but more like the, you know, yell out father, son, Holy spirit as loud as you can, the glory, but you know, like getting them involved. But okay. towards the end, it was a more serious moment. And during this serious moment, we're an hour and a half in, it's been loud. The kids have been shrieking. It's been a blast. Like you just look around the whole place and everybody's like, this is new and fun, exciting. It was just this cool thing. Nice. But then it's finally quiet. And we start, you know, Chris is going to lead us in prayer. And we start in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. And this is our serious prayer. And I have my eyes closed for the first half. You know, I start to zone out halfway through, which is typical for me. And yeah. I look up and thank God that he created me the way that I am. Because I, I got to witness this moment. About the same time that I was, like, checking out of the prayer, I look up. And I literally saw a guy halfway across the room log out of the prayer halfway through he was just like i'm done and he goes in the name of father son of the holy spirit he crossed himself halfway through and it was and the most honest prayer experience i've ever <laughs> seen he's just like i know you're not done and we're not done but i am and i'm logging out it was the greatest thing i've ever seen <laughs> that's great because it's like a polite way of doing it too like he didn't just like walk away he's like no this, there's a way to end prayer appropriately and i'm going to do it and now i'm done thank you <laughs> and then he just sat there and so i just sat there and stared at him just like like not in a mad way at all like i am i was like i'm just impressed by your boldness and i want to live my life like you do <laughs> yes yes i am done now thank you because i lie about it i too was done halfway through but I just looked up and started looking at everybody else praying and wondering what mm -hmm. we're going to do next. Like, that's mm -hmm. that's my typical thing. I feel like I'm the fraud because I'm lying. Everybody else can look at me and think I'm still praying. He's like, no, I'm done. And I'm letting everyone that is looking know about it. It was that a man, beautiful experience. He's he, That man was closer to God than anyone else in that room. 100%. And that includes our two collars. <laughs> Absolutely, it does. Because <laughs> we fake it all the time. There's no way that we log out. When we're when we're done, <laughs> right? Oh, it was just great. It was just great. So, um, that's a perfect lead-in into a fear that I have about prayer. Are you ready for this? That it will never end, and you have to keep praying for forever. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like heaven. Yes, I am a little afraid of that. <laughs> um, no. So, backstory: I was at a retreat a month ago. And they were doing some things where um, I think we might have even touched on this a little bit. You could you could stop me if we did, because if, if you've heard it, it means the listeners did a month ago. Um, did I start? Did I share with you the story of how we were doing like um, it was kind of a charismatic prayer thing? So let's picture a room where there's like, you know, 15 kids and then five like adult leaders. Right. And essentially what they would do is that one person would come to the center of the room. You could do this because it was a small group. One person would come to the center of the room and and like the leader would open a time of prayer and then we would close a time of prayer. But during that time of prayer, they he the, the guy who was leading the retreat taught them how to be like, you know, sometimes during prayer you might receive a, a word from Jesus. You might receive something that gets put on your heart that you feel like you need to, to share with this person, right? Yeah. And so there's some discernment there and they're high school kids. They're, they're, they're like, they're literally getting confirmed like 
three days after. So it's like, hey, you're receiving the full Holy Spirit in its fullness. Yes, you know, you see baptism, but like big Holy Spirit day at confirmation. Right. Sure. So he was trying to like teach them how to like be in tune with the Holy Spirit. So what they, what they would do is they would either say it out loud or they would write it down on a piece of paper. Like, hey, here's the image that I have. I, I saw like, you know, a, you know, small crashing waves or whatever. And then yeah. sure enough, the person would be like, we had some incredible moments. Like they were like, yeah, like right before my dad passed away two years ago, the last thing that we did before he died was we went out to the beach and we got to experience the beach together one last time. And it was like these incredible moments where like that kid didn't know that story. So it was just like super yeah. good for people. Right. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, there were moments where it was like, you know, I see the color blue and uh, a, a stop sign. They're just like, nope. No connection at all. Right. So like the whole time, anytime we do something like this and I was involved with charismatic renewal uh, for, for years. And it's like, anytime we do something like that, I've always wondered about like the cost benefit analysis. Mm. Like is the, is the good connections worth the connections that don't work? Is the risk of possibly being wrong worth the reward of possibly being right? Because there are kids there that could possibly have the experience, whether it's kids or adults or whatever, that could have the experience of like, I kind of doubted God existed, but there's no way that person would have known this thing about me. God told them and then they told me. So now I know that God's talking to at least somebody in this room, right? Mm -hmm. But there could be a, you sit down and you're little Anthony at 15 years old and nothing connects and you're just like, well, this is all BS and I'm done, right? Yeah. Where it's like, so there's that risk and reward, right? I have more, but I want to kind of stop. And what do you think about that? My, my fear of the risk and reward. So, yeah, as far as your uh, worry about the risk reward, I think that's a good thing. I think the risk goes up a lot if um, people don't know what's going on. So especially for a teenager or really for anybody, because I've seen this with adults as well, you can get into a zone of like magical thinking and you kind of prime yourself for like this magical experience and so you can get really disappointed if something doesn't happen or you can trick yourself into believing that something happens or especially if you're unfamiliar with prayer and discernment you may think that everything that you feel is coming directly from god and all that can be confusing but if you go into it knowing that like um everyone here is going to try their you know best to discern the best they can um if you don't get something in that way, that's okay. You were still prayed over. Cool. And if you something clicks, good. Um, and when you're praying over somebody and uh, to do that with an uh, attitude of humility as well. Um, and, you know, when, when I was doing it with a group of people who have been doing this a long time, they'll say, um, they, they'll couch it in more like humble words. They won't be like, God is telling me to tell you this. It's like, hey, I'm getting this image. Maybe, maybe it's for you. Maybe it's not. You know, something like that. And they can be a good thing. So, um, it's, it's best done when there's someone who's like experienced with it and kind of like teach, like, and watch out for the pitfalls and that sort of thing. If you just throw people into it, I've seen a lot of goofy stuff happen. That's not healthy. Yeah. And I, and I think like the person that was leading it, it was like highly right. trained in this and has had years of experience doing it. Um, and I, there, there was a moment. I'll get into it in a second. There's a moment that made it like, oh no, <laughs> like, like, and it was nothing that like the leader did wrong. It was just a moment that happened among like, the congregation. But in regards to your point about like, you know, it has to be 
it's one of those things where it's like it could be very good for somebody who isn't very well formed and then they they're like it could be a thing that's like this is why i believe in god because i mm. heard these three people say this thing and it was great and it could be a huge catalyst towards growth and faith at the same time if that same person who's not very well formed in their faith yeah. hears these things and it doesn't work it could be a big deterrent and like i'm walking out the door right yeah um so i've been talking about this with a few people uh kind of you know, with the cameras off of like, what am I supposed to do with this? Because like, I know that like fear is not of the Lord, but at the same time, I don't think we should be leading people into situations that we shouldn't be rolling the dice with people's spiritual lives. Right. Correct. Like, yes. We could either roll a four to six and they go to heaven, or we could roll a one to three and they go to hell. You know, yeah. I don't, you know what I mean? Like at least put them on a track that way. And like, I like, you know, as a person who has given their life to, professionally be in ministry it's like i want to walk alongside people and help lead them to christ and not play games with it early right so i think yes. there is a good there, there, yeah there's, there's an all idea. that all that you said very good proud <laughs> yeah. of you taylor this is great but but i think it 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 happens a lot with yeah so i, I think i've seen this done with unformed people even mm -hmm. like meaning the leader might be very formed but like the the kids or even right. adults yeah. aren't for and it's like I've seen a lot of the, it's black and white. The people that got the message, they are in for life. <laughs> but the other people, it's like, eh, I'm never coming back here. You know, yeah. it's like, oh no, you know? So, um, I, but because I think there is some kind of formation needed because the, 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 th the scripture that always comes to my mind, and I'm Catholic, so I had to look it up. I have it every word memorized, but I had no idea what it was from. Most Catholic moment here on the show so far. Mm -hmm. uh, First Thessalonians chapter five, uh, verse 21, of course. Test everything, retain what is good. Yeah. Test everything, retain what is good. So yeah. if you said, Taylor, I, you know, I was praying and, and, and I think that God was telling me to let you know that you should divorce your wife. And I'd be like, well, I'm going to test that against everything else that I know, both humanly, like my wife loves me and <laughs> I, I think I'm pretty good to her. But then also scripture, like, hey, thou shalt not get divorced. I know it doesn't say that like directly, but it, it does say it, right? Jesus like, does say that, yes. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he said it in Latin, not Old English, of course. Of you course, and he did it with his back <laughs> facing the uh, his disciples. Could you imagine the Sermon on the Mount and Jesus is facing away? It's like, it's already hard enough to hear him and now he's yeah. talking that way. <laughs> uh, but like, I think if somebody is going to be able to discern, like, I think I'm formed enough to be like, no, I'm not going to do that. You're an idiot, right? Yeah. But other people would be like, oh, no, a priest told me I should divorce my wife. I got to go get a lawyer. You know? Like, yeah. Yeah. So, like, be able to test everything, retain what is good. Um, But here's here. There was a, there was a moment where. How do I say this without giving too much away? There was a former teen that was there mm -hmm. to help. That's that. That's what I'll say. The former teen in this youth program that has gone through this same kind of thing yeah. at their confirmation retreat, which is what we sure. were at. Right. And he was like, he got up. He's not a, like a teen. He's not really part of this. And he gets up and he says, um, can I say something? And we're like, uh, <laughs> and he goes, no, <laughs> yeah, I think no. I would have said, I would have said no. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. It's like, absolutely not. <laughs> but, uh, he went up there and started talking and, uh, he says, uh, I did this when I was in high school and I thought it was a lot of BS, but I'm willing to try it again to see if it works. So I'm like, this is it. Like it's either going to work and he's back 
or it's not going to work and he's done forever. Like See, if you've been like gone this. for five years, if you've been yeah. gone for five years and you come back and you're, you left because of your experience at something like this, you come back. If it doesn't work, I have never had more pressure on me as a like, God, if you've ever given me a true word, I need it now. <laughs> you know, <laughs> But at the same time, I'm like, that's so much pressure on these kids that are doing it for the first time. And it was just like, it made it super awkward. And like, I've asked every week, it's like, how's that guy doing? How's that guy doing? How's that guy? And I haven't gotten an answer. And it's driving me insane. Like I might be, have been a part of the greatest conversion of a man's heart that I've ever been a part of, or he's gone forever. <laughs> See, yeah, this is, this is not good. This, this whole thing is very not good. Because, it's not good. Cause like, it's not, if you, okay. If you see this kind of prayer as, um, something helpful or um, a way to get in touch with God in this particular sort of way. That's, that's all good. Fine. Whatever. But if it's like this prayer is going to make or break people's faith, then something has gone horribly wrong because right. that's an attitude. Like uh, I demand that God do this thing for me. And if he doesn't, I don't believe in him. Well, that's, that's not how you deal with God. And um, it, that, that becomes magical thinking in a way. Like, um, I did the right things by doing the prayer and God should show up for me. It's like demanding. It's like you're in charge of God. That's if not how it works. he doesn't show up at Tuesday night at 8.07 yeah. p.m., I'm out. <laughs> yeah, it's like, no, that's not how any of this works. That's, that's super weird. No. Um, so, yeah, that's that's not good. That's not how prayer works because that's not how a, a relationship works. Right. You don't put ultimatums on your friends in weird ways like that. Wife, like, if you don't make me happy at 8.07 on a Tuesday evening, I'm going to listen to Father Anthony and divorce you. <laughs> <laughs> you don't test everything. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's that's that's super dangerous. So, uh, and I would have happened. Okay, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. No, I was saying if that kid said that, I would have not let him be prayed over. Um, I, I would have stopped him. Can I say something? There's no. There's so many points of work. stopping. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. First of all, can I say something? The answer is no. You right. can tell me quietly like right. you want. Like, there's no, you don't get to go on stage and say a thing. No, no, you right. don't. <laughs> yeah. So, so, okay. Okay, go ahead. So, so stepping back a moment and then with a reminder of what just happened, right? Yeah. So I am pretty adamant about like, I want to walk with people over the long haul, meaning I'm not, I might not do something super pushy or super uh, make or break that early. It's no. like I might spend a year with students at our school simply learning their name, what they like, what they care about before yeah. I even mention Jesus. Like and like that might be an overcorrection. And some people may be like, by three months, you have to have mentioned Jesus. Leave me alone. Right. I'm figuring it out. I'm figuring it out. But I think I like that. 53 days until you can mention <laughs> right. Jesus's name. That's the, that's the magical window on the 53rd day. If it's yep. a Tuesday at 807 p.m., you mm -hmm. may then say the word Jesus. Unless it's a full moon and in which case you have to wait another 23 minutes. Gosh, dang it. Uh, you got to factor in leap year. It's, it's, oh, it's, it's there's a whole equation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Everyone um, knows this. Who's in ministry? Obviously, obviously it's what we learn at the parish. Uh, so I have had great experiences and negative experiences with this. I have seen people like literally their lives are changed for the good yeah. and literally their lives are changed for the, for the bad. Right. Um, but, I think I, I was noticing what was happening in me, right? Where mm -hmm. I was like, I because of the negative, 
I think I maybe may be overcorrecting and maybe not in my ministry. I don't think I'm overcorrecting my ministry, but I think because of situations like this, like what happened that I just shared with you and I've seen it a bunch of other places too. I think because of that, I have almost no bold prayers anymore. Mm. Like, Mm. right. To where like where this came up again was because this was months ago and I've just been or a month and a half ago and I've just been mulling it over. I haven't talked about it publicly. I've talked about it with a couple of people and some people are like, we should be doing this every day. And other people are like, we should never do this ever. And I'm like, I, I think there's, there's probably an in between, yeah. but I've just noticed personally, like somebody was, there's um, somebody in our community that got hurt and people were praying, healing prayers over them. Like God, you told us to heal the sick and raise the dead. We're trying to, we're calling down you, asking you to heal this person, physical healing, so that they don't have to have this surgery and they can get back to their life or whatever. And they went to people who have had experiences where they pray over people and they've been healed. And there were like three or four people that asked for this person to be healed and it didn't happen. And they had a Mm -hmm. surgery or a a meeting with the surgeon the next day, Mm -hmm. like an appointment with the surgeon the next day to set up the surgery. And they asked me to pray for them the day before and i said no Hmm. Uh, because first of all i think i'm the fourth holiest by far of the people you've already asked so if it didn't work for them there is zero chance it's gonna work for me right but at the same time this is a younger person solid in their faith but a younger person where i don't want to add to four of or three of the holiest and one other person that works for the church prayed for healing for me (laughs) Yeah, yeah, prayed yeah. for healing for me and it didn't happen i had to have surgery anyway and i was out of sports for nine months yeah and it's like i would rather not pray for it than pray for it and it not work and that was mm. something i realized in me so with all the context i've just shared of that yeah. it can be good it can be bad i've seen it done well i've seen it done poorly um i've seen it work but i've also seen it not work and like i, I, I again it's the cost benefit analysis do do I pray three bold prayers knowing that only one of them might work? But because then two people were just not healed, and now I think they're gonna have some negative spiral in, oh God didn't heal me or whatever. Right? Does this make sense? Because it's driving me insane. Yeah, no, it all makes sense. It all makes sense. Um, you know, I was, you know, um going along with it, just for the sake of going along with it, but we can see, and this is this is a, a common thing I think a lot of people struggle with, um uh, and especially in in ministry. Um, but like, listen to some of the language that we're using. Um, did the prayer work cost benefit analysis, uh, levels of holiness. None of this is actually language that is appropriate for prayer. Um, because that makes prayer like a machine. If I press the right buttons, I get the right outcome. And that's not how prayer works. I feel like um, I'm pushing the buttons in the concession stand little thing and yeah. my my paper bag of chips is getting stuck in the machine. It is. It is. <laughs> yes. And so your leg it needs surgery because you didn't get your bag of chips. So, I'm just going to bang on it until it comes out. <laughs> you can. You can. I, trust me. I have spent I have spent uh, many nights um, metaphorically banging on a tabernacle to get God to do what I want him to do. And it doesn't work that way. I'm just saying. Open the door. <laughs> Guys, like you're the priest, you have a key. Anyway, <laughs> okay, we're getting lost. We're getting lost here. Um, 
Yeah, I've had that experience too of being like, you know, uh, shying away from bold prayer. I think you have to be careful because sometimes bold prayer actually means I have confidence in my own holiness, right? And that's not what bold prayer is. Bold prayer, what it really is, is trusting that you can ask your heavenly father for anything. And even if he doesn't give you what you want, he's still going to care for the situation. So yeah, you can absolutely ask boldly for healing. But if that doesn't happen, you realize that doesn't mean God doesn't love you. It just means that the answer is no. Um, and that's okay. You know, the father's allowed to say no to some of your requests. Um, because for a bunch of reasons, all the healings Christ ever did were just to confirm the fact that, um, or just to show, um, that faith is actually the thing that matters or the forgiveness of sins is what actually matters. And if you need proof of these invisible miracles that I have done, then here's a visible miracle. The visible miracles themselves are never the point. Not once are they the point in the gospels. I mean, they're great. And like the Lord, you know, that's still a good thing. I don't, I'm not saying that they're worthless, but they are incredibly secondary. But and there's also not a that. point where Jesus says, Tim, I heal you of your blindness. And Tim's still blind at the end. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. Um, but if you think about it, there are a lot of people, actually most people in the world, Jesus didn't do a miracle for. That's <laughs> like, true. The vast majority of people got zero miracles Proximity from Jesus. to the Middle Earth. Uh, no, I almost said Middle Earth. That was very stupid. The Middle East. <laughs> exactly. You know? Um, so we, we, and we're not Jesus. So it's, it's not like, uh, once we think this is based on my prayer or my holiness, or even sometimes we see faith that way, like faith is this physical attribute that we have that if we are strong enough in our faith, then stuff will happen. Like, no, none of that's, none of that's how that works. This is about relationship. This is about God. And this is ultimately about trust. And no matter how many miracles you get, Taylor, how many healings you get, you know what's going to happen? I'm still going to go gonna, to hell? Oh. No. I mean, maybe. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> but before that, I guarantee you, everyone who has ever received a miracle is going to die. <laughs> right? Like, there's there's an end of life. Unless Jesus comes back again and zaps us up to heaven, whatever happens when he comes back for the people. Like, so we need more context with stuff, you know? Um, and sometimes the Lord will... Quote unquote, will like let us down when it comes to those physical miracles and things. Because if he were to give us that, we would miss the point. Sometimes the answer sometimes the answer is no, just because because we don't know. We don't know why. Part of it's a mystery. But we don't control God, and miracles don't happen through our own holiness. It's it's Christ who does these things. Right. Um, and so you can ask boldly, but also realize that you're not in charge of God. Right. I, I understand your answer. Sorry, I, I monologued for a while there. Yeah, no, no, no. I think it's good for people to hear, but yeah. it's not my issue, and I don't think I've been clear on my issue. Oh, my okay. issue Sorry. is, <laughs> for once, for once, my issue is not me. Yes, it is my action, but uh-huh. I am worried about the result, not for myself. It's not mm. about me controlling God. It's not about God saying no to me in prayer, because uh, that's all I get. It's not, <laughs> nothing new for me, right? Yeah. What I am worried about is like pastorally worried about the other person if it's a no for them, right? Yeah. To where like I know myself, I've been involved in this long enough. I've been told no long enough that it's pro- it, if I pray over the kid and his knee isn't healed, I'll be like, eh, 
you know but he but but he might be like it god didn't work this really sucks gotcha. and now, I'm, okay. now i'm gonna be out for nine months i'm worried about this person right mm -hmm. so it's like the risk of uh, yes i use cost benefit analysis on purpose just to piss you off uh that was literally part of my planning but um it's the risk for them not the risk for me Right. Because I could do it all day, every day, but I don't know. Like right. pastorally, that's not healthy um, yeah, yeah. For, for, for them. Right. Because it's not going to work every time. We know it's not going to work. We know it's not going to that the answer might be no, whatever. Right. So my my concern is for the it's for the reaction internally of the person over the next day, week, months, years, if it doesn't work. That's the reason that I don't pray boldly. It's not any, not really anything about me. It's about. I, of course, it's about me because it's in my head, right? But it's about the other person. Yeah, it's yeah, my yeah. fear about the other person. Yeah. So I think there's, I mean, there's one practical thing, is that when you, <laughs> when you like pray over somebody, when you pray out loud, a lot of times, um, uh, vocal prayers uh, are both prayer and teaching. Sometimes this is done very awkwardly, but sometimes it's actually a good thing. It's like, what are you praying for for that person? Like, Lord, we ask that you heal this person. Um, if it's not in your will, then give them strength to see blah, 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 right? So you use something like that, of course. Uh, that's like a practical thing. But uh, you know what? Um, it, I think part of it's also we have to let people go on their ups and downs in the faith. As long as we're not being imprudent. As long as we're not like setting them up for failure, right? Um, and saying like, you know, if, you, if you're praying honestly for this person and they get disappointed, um, God can still work with them later. Like we we know people and we experience ups and downs in our spiritual lives as well. God's in control of them too. So I think part of it is like letting go. Um, and so, yeah, as long as you're praying honestly, you kind of have to let the chips fall where they may, I think, if that makes sense. Crap. Like that. I think you're right. And that sucks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it does. Most of ministry, most of ministry is just failure and not knowing. And, and then that's it. And every yeah. once in a while, you get to see some good fruits. Like most of it is just casting seeds and like, maybe it'll grow. Maybe it won't. I'm in charge of that part. I just have to do what the Lord's asking me to do now. Uh, yeah. I think my fear is they are the seed and I'm throwing them into rocky soil. <laughs> yeah. yeah. A possibility, a possibility, right. you know, I, I've seen, you know, it, I've seen it happen before, but more more than likely, it's like you've cast the seed, and we'll see what happens. You know, here's here's my uh, my suggested way of me moving forward. Okay, I, I I will pray boldly for their healing and never tell them. <laughs> I like it. Oh yeah, because then I, then I I won't be disappointed if I get told no because it's most of my life. Uh, yeah. my, my parents, my kids, my wife, my God, you know, like at you, everybody just tells me no, you know. So it's nothing new, uh, but it also solves my issue of like you know I, maybe I can pray more boldly, but uh, yeah, every, I I think it's this balance of like prudence and fear. Yeah, right? yeah. Where like mm -hmm. everybody I talk to either says never do it out of prudence. Because you might lead them astray, or do it every time, like in Walmart. I'm like, no, I don't want no, to. No. So I don't know. It's it was just a really hard decision because they were it like, hey, tough. can you pray for him? And I was like, nah. <laughs> so because I was like afraid of it, but then like 
I, so I was just walking back from for communion. I just prayed for him silently in my head, and his knee still hurts. I, I don't know. Like it, it's fine. It's gonna be fine. Yeah. He'll have surgery, yeah. and I think I think God's gonna work through the surgery. That's I'm, I'm cool. You know, with that. if if someone came and, and sometimes saying, I could see if someone came up to me and saw me as more of a shaman than like a priest, and was like, pray for me, expecting me to like heal them. No might be the right answer. And if that person, so like, and I would say no, but I would just pray for them when they're not around. Um, so, and, and who knows? Like, the Lord also, if whether or not what you did was the right thing, you, I think ultimately you probably did it at least somewhat out of concern for that kid. And the Lord can fix our mistakes with that stuff as long as we're trying, you know? Yeah, it's just been a really interesting thing of like, yeah wrestling with myself trying to find the truth somewhere yeah. in the middle of this because it's like am like it's one of those things it's like everything in my ministry training tells me to be prudent but then yeah. everybody like i know that i'm not as holy as a lot of people that pray that will boldly pray these healing prayers over people and i'm like I, 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 it was just the struggle of like am i not holy enough because I'm not wanting to pray for this kid. Like this, they asked me to pray for him. I said, no, like that sounds like a bad thing. That but, does I still, sound- <laughs> but I still look at it two weeks later and I'm like, I think it was the prudent and correct choice. Yeah. Give so it's context. just been this balance of like, I need to grow in holiness and boldness and trust in God. But at the same time, I think what you said was the, um, yeah, just like letting go of the mm-hmm. outcome as long as I did what I thought was right at the time. Yeah. That's all I can do. That's all I can That's do. That's all you can do. Also, there's a person standing right outside my window, and I'm very terrified right now. I don't know who they are. <laughs> Tell them I say hi. Father Anthony says hi. <laughs> We're going to be right back. I'm going to go figure out what's going on outside my house. <laughs> So I've been inviting you guys on our Rome pilgrimage for quite some time now, but I've usually been loud and bombastic. But today, since I have to whisper because my kids are asleep, we're going to talk about the chill days that we're going to spend in Tuscany, some of the beautiful, most beautiful places on earth. We're going to stay in a monastery, drink some wine. We're going to have a couple of retreat days there uh, with myself and Father Anthony. We've talked about our Forte Catholic retreats before here on the show, and they've been going really well. We're going to give uh, our pilgrims a little taste of what that is like. Like in Tuscany. I mean, just absolutely incredible. The rest of the trip, we're going to be in Rome. We're going to be in Assisi, which is Father Anthony's favorite. We would really like for you to come join me, Father Anthony, Liv, her family, and some other listeners as well. Um, check it all out at ForteCatholic.com slash travel. Welcome back to Forte Catholic. I am Taylor Stroll. As you can see, I am not dead. <laughs> that was super weird, man. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, did you confront this person? Did they run I sh- away? What? I, I sure did. It looked like they were running away, and then I did confront this person. Um, there is literally zero reason why somebody should be right in front of that window right there. Yeah. And I have a lot of expensive equipment in this room. And mm-hmm. it looked like this person was looking into this room and saw me and left. <laughs> <laughs> oh, never mind. He's big. <laughs> yeah. I have a you know two thousand dollar TV that you're on right now. I have a two thousand yeah. dollar camera that you're on right now. I have a four thousand dollar computer. This is recording on right now. There's a. I have a PS5 and an Xbox right there. There's a lot of money in this room. Yeah. <laughs> and I, it felt like he was looking at it. Um. But I figured out what was happening. What? I like we were talking about me having to make decisions in the middle. Multiple decisions that I had to make just now. Yeah. Do I let this person that I think is casing my house just case my house? Um, do I 
go confront them. That was clearly the choice that I made very quickly. Yeah. Um, do I bring my gun with me? I made the choice. No, I just drove my car so I could get away quickly if something happened. Okay. Um, so I, fu- I found him. I- it took me a while. He was moving pretty quickly. And yeah. I uh, confronted him on the street. And I said, what were you just doing in front of my house? Yeah. And he said, I'm a door knocker. And I said, what is that? He said, I'm trying to sell solar panels. And I said, oh. So what happened was he knocked on my door. I didn't answer. He was probably curious as to what was going on, stood by that window because I'm yelling at someone else on a Zoom call, and then walked away. <laughs> and then I chase him in my car, and he's like, what is going on? But he, he understood. He's like, yeah, I looked in your window, and I'm wearing a hoodie. Like, it looked really bad. <laughs> I'm glad. Wow. So we had a funny little experience with what I thought was somebody trying to rob me. <laughs> That's amazing. I'm glad it was not someone trying to rob you, but also, dude, why? I, I mean, okay, imprudent on his part. <laughs> yeah, like, like you could come to my door. That's fine. But that, yeah. like, literally, there is zero reason. Like, we have a front door yeah. that way. Right. And then we have another front door that he probably went to because I would have heard him if he knocked on this door. Yeah. He went to, like, our actual front door. Yeah. So I didn't hear him. It's way over there. I have my AirPods in. I'm talking to you. Yeah. Uh there's zero reason he should have looked at this window. Yeah. Quite literally zero. If I didn't answer, I don't want to talk to you. I didn't hear you. But also, I don't want to talk to you. Right. <laughs> it's very strange. Anyway, um, I'll, I'll have one more, uh, one more conversation here with you. Um, so it is about the laity. I had an experience Boo. a few months ago. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, sorry, what? <laughs> I had an experience a few months ago that uh, I called you about. Whoa, apparently I'm still worked up. I just kicked my microphone for no reason. Mm-hmm. Um, I had an experience where I felt like a priest was being rude to me uh, mm-hmm. because uh, very much clericalism, like very much experience. And this, like, everybody that's been listening to the show for years knows that I experienced a lot of it here. And it yeah. was very real. But then uh, it was just all of a sudden online. And I, I have no connection with this priest ever before. He has no spiritual, like, he's not my pastor. He's not a priest I know. Like, there's, like, other than the fact that he's a priest, there's no reason, like, I have any respect for Like, I don't know him. I can't have any respect for him. It takes time, right? Yeah, like, other sure. than, like, it says father on your hand. Okay, fine. But he literally started attacking me in something that I posted from this show. Yeah. We've never had any interactions. I don't follow him. He doesn't follow me. And I'm like, leave me alone. You have no yeah. power here. You know? like, <laughs> and he was arguing no, yeah. with me about, um, specifically about the, using the word preaching. We have a silly game on this show called Freestyle Preaching. And it's, it's, it, that in and of itself is, is, a, is a joke, right? Because we're, yeah. if you haven't listened to that game before, we each give each other three words that we then have to uh, fit into a 60-second like, real we're trying as much as we can to make it a real homily, sermon, message, talk, whatever, right? Yeah. Um, and we have fun with it, right? But then mm-hmm. I was also t- – so we did that on the episode. And then John and I, who, who, who was uh, the co-host of that episode, st- talked about, like, some of the preaching that we've done. And, you know, we travel and give talks. like, yeah. But, like, to me, that word is annoying. I don't like – I didn't give a talk. Like, I'm preaching the word of God. Like, that's what I'm sure, doing, sure. right? And yeah. he was yelling at me about how, like, oh, you know – um, you know, preaching is only for priests. And I'm like, dude, just, if you had said it to me and it was in like a, you're trying to teach me some nuance that only canon lawyers know about, yeah. fine. 
But you, <laughs> and I, I, I probably would have listened to you a little bit more, right? Yeah. But ultimately, at the end of the day, it's not. That's not the argument I was making. I wasn't making nuance like canon law. Can no. But what I did was I went to canon law, and it says in canon law that if you are a proved preacher, you can be an approved lay preacher by every diocese. Guess what I have to do every time I go to a different diocese, Father Anthony? I have to get approved by my bishop and theirs. I am mm-hmm. an approved preacher in every diocese <laughs> that I preach. So it's like, even if you want to argue with me canon law, I, yeah. I, I got it on my side, right? Yeah, but ultimately, that's not what I was trying to do. Ultimately, I'm like, sermon, talk, homily, uh, preaching, they're all synonymous words to 90% of Christians. Right. 10% yeah. of people can make a distinction, even with like homily and sermon, right? If you mm-hmm. give a talk, if you give a, if you are talking during the mass, that's a, that's a homily, right? If you're yeah. talking about, there's even more distinctions. Oh, preaching about the, the greetings of the day. That's a homily. Preaching about the saint of the day. That's a sermon. And here's what I want to say. No one cares that much. Oh, no, I make sure they care. Whenever a nice old lady comes up to me after Mass and says, Father, that was a wonderful sermon, I say, shut your mouth and listen You to know me. nothing, idiot. You Go know die. nothing, you lay trash. How yeah. dare you insult me? I gave a homily, not a sermon, because so, that's the kind of priest I am. Yeah, it bothered me, and I called you because sure. I was like, yeah. look, dude, like, I, I don't want to offend priests for no reason, right? Now, Only priest, for reasons, which is good. One hundred percent. If a priest pisses yeah. me off, I'll come at him. Like you're, you're a person, right? Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. And I, that's that's a growth in my ministry. I used to be the person, whatever Father wants, whatever Father wants, whatever Father wants. And then I realized that Father can be wrong, and that I can at least argue my point and say, yeah. "Hey, this is what I would like to do, and this is why." If he still says no, then I won't do it, and I'll probably find somewhere else to work if that is consistent. If it's just sure. one, two, three, four times over the course of a few years, okay. It's still, he's still the pastor, and there has to be some kind of he's the shepherd, and I have to be, you know, the sheep or the, the follower, right? Yeah. Um, I get that, right? But so that's been swimming in my head for months. And I called you and I was like, look, like, am I, am I wrong in this? And you're like, okay, there could be some nuance in the wording, but he's being a jerk, right? So uh, yeah. I I um I've been thinking about it off and on for a while because I don't sure. like the piss off priests, right? It's just not my MO. Um, I do it just by being me. I don't have to try, right? Yeah. <laughs> but I was thinking about this, uh, actually listening to uh, a podcast I think you've heard of. You you weren't on it, but it's called Clerically Speaking. Never heard of it. A, yeah, you weren't you weren't on it. It was this Father Harrison and a layperson. It's very, it very interesting. Not a show I listen to. <laughs> That's for sure. Um, but they're talking about how bishops, especially their job is to sanctify, to preach, and to govern. Mm-hmm. So I yeah. hear the word preach, and of course what pops into my head, this altercation of this priest I've never met before, right? Yeah. But then I start thinking about it, that there's sanctify, so like to make holy, to celebrate the sacraments, to, to help people grow in their faith, right? Um, and by, def- they're talking about a bishop, but of course priests help do this too because they're sharing in the bishop's work. To yeah. preach, the primary mm-hmm. preachers, yes, the priests are the primary preachers, Um and to govern, which is like, you know, the, the, all the paperwork and stuff that you have. To yeah. Do. Um, so like I was thinking about it, like in my ministry, because like, yes, priests, priests, partic- it's the, it's the bishop's job, but priests participate in that. 
by doing it at your parish. So like you help to govern, like you said, you're in charge this week, but typically you're the associate, the assistant to help your priest govern because the bishop has put him in charge, right? Um, You clearly preach and you clearly help to sanctify by celebrating mass and, you know, teaching RCIA, all those sorts of things, right? Mm -hmm. But then I started combining in my mind. These are all things that I've heard before, but they never clicked in my brain like this. And I want to hear your thoughts. Okay. Because I've been told many times as like the head of my household mm-hmm. that it's a very similar thing, right? Where it's from bishop to priest, maybe not exactly the same, but at least similar, right? There's an analogy the, there, yeah. The priest has given me part of his role for my family, for my domestic church to be the priest, prophet, and king of my home. I've heard that at every men's conference, every lay person thing. It's like, I am priest, prophet, and king of my domestic church, right? So like at home, it's like, yeah, I help to... What does the priest do? Offer sacrifice. What does a prophet do? They share the truth. What does a king do? They rule, right? So I am the head of head of our household. I could share the gospel with words and my life with my kids, and I can offer prayers for them, offer sacrifice for them, sure. right? Um, but then, so like, I think it makes a lot of sense for at home, but I think where it gets kind of murky and muddy and where I think, you know, I get priests yelling at me on Twitter is I do this professionally, like mm-hmm. where in... The priest can't do everything. You're a very busy person. Our pastor is a very busy person. Yeah. So he says something like, hey, we need something that is teaching our Catholics. That's not RCA, not for that group of people, but like people in the pews, the people that are going through this formation thing we've been talking about forever, alpha and then foundations and then small groups and all that kind of stuff, right? He's like, I can't do it all because he's mm-hmm. one person. He can't do it all. He's busy enough as it is. So he tasks me to lead foundations where... What am, what am I doing at Foundations? I am helping to sanctify. Yes, it's the priest's job, I'm, but I'm participating, though. I'm like, hey, this is how we grow in holiness. This is how you, you we, we learn things to grow in holiness. And then, like, the homework is, like, go to confession after week six. Yeah. And, that's, and, like, we, like, positively peer pressure them as a group for everyone to go. Right. Yeah. So like they're being made holy. Yes, I'm not hearing confessions, but I'm helping. I'm a sister. Sure. Right. Um, as a prophet. What does a prophet do? They, they preach. They, they share. So I am doing whatever word you want to use. I am preaching on those days. I am giving a talk. I am giving a lecture. Like, to me, those words are synonymous. People can get mad at it, right? But essentially, that's what I'm participating in. Sure. And as king, yes, the, the bishop's the king, and then he gives it to the priest. But the priest has knows that I, the youth minister, the RCA director, the director, they, that he gives them some kind of governance over that group. Ultimately, yeah. he's in charge. Yes, just like the bishop's in charge of the priests, right? Yeah. So uh, I'm laying it all out there because I feel like, I, like I feel a responsibility to the people in my charge. Yes, my family. But when I did youth ministry, I felt a responsibility to help them grow in holiness, to preach, teach them, uh, preach to them, teach, teach them, right? And to govern the youth group, govern the foundations group. Yeah. So what do you think about that? A, a, a lay person participating in the, like a part of the priestly ministry as a lay person. Okay. So a few things at the very beginning, you being um, the father of uh, the household, um, I don't give you permission to do that. That's um, intrinsically towards you because of your baptism and your marriage. Okay. So it's not like me and the Bishop, um, your house, you are, you are priest, prophet, and king in your house by right of your baptism and your marriage. So. Can you tell my wife that? Uh, <laughs> Hi, honey. <yes. laughs> 
<laughs> she also is priest, prophet, and king. In the, in so it, anyway, let's not get into all that. It's a whole other podcast. <laughs> but um, I think it is fair to say that like uh, the priest has given you like an area of governance when you take on these sort of things, um, and in that sense, it's so there's there's something like that. Um, I think what it's more like is that um, everyone because of their baptized is priest, prophet, and king. Um, and so you can do that no matter what your job is. When you're doing more either professional ministry or or aiding in the parish in some um, means like what you mentioned, um, it's a particular way of working out that um, priest, prophet, and king thing. Um, so because I don't like maybe the, the area of governance is connected to the priest, but. I think you sanctifying either by praying for the person, leading them to the sacraments, that sort of thing. I don't think that's connected to the ministerial priesthood in the same way. Um, it's more like these, your baptismal priesthood and the ministerial priesthood are working in conjunction with each other. Oh man, I have to think about this some more. Cause I just yep. want like, cause some of it does seem very related to the priest when it comes to like you working in the parish. But right. also, I, I want it is like his domain ultimately, right. right? And he's like ultimately responsible. But he has given me charge, and he trusts me, and he trusts the youth minister to do it for the youth yeah. program. He trusts the RCI director for the do it for the RCI. It's like he's trusting me with this little piece of his quote unquote kingdom, like what he's governing over, yeah. right? His parish. But like, I I don't want to because there's something intrinsic about your baptism that's not connected to any ordained priest. So it's not like you get. I want to keep that dignity there. That's not that's not dependent on a priest. Yes, you working in the parish, governance wise, that's definitely connected to the priest and then to the bishop. But um, so yeah, I think there's something there. <laughs> that's what yeah. I'm trying to say. I, I, you make I, me think about this a lot. I think I think it's it's interesting because I think you are you are not reacting the way that I thought you would because I think shtick wise on clerk speaking, you're like, you know, down with the lay people. They suck. And you're like, all right. Give yeah, me yeah. Even more power. Sorry. Than, I, than I'm I, breaking kayfabe. I'm out of character. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, um, I think for me, this has been eye opening for me. Cause I never, mm -hmm. like, I know what I've clearly I've been there when I've done ministry. Like I know what I'm doing. So when yeah. a priest that I don't know comes at me and starts yelling at me, it's just like, leave me alone. You have no idea who I am. You have no idea what I'm doing. Just, Leave me alone, right? Yeah. But at the same time, I feel like I have worked for a lot of priests that would probably say, no, when I am serving at the parish, I am not, I am not participating in being priest, prophet, and king and helping in sanctify, preach, and govern. It's like that's priests alone, not the other person. Like I've, I've had that from, I've seen it with priests online. I've seen it with priests that I've worked with before that they're like, this is mine. I'm in charge. Do what I tell you and, and get your paycheck. So like, I've seen that and I'm not. Yeah. So like I've seen it and this was kind of helpful for me to be like, yeah. no, like I know, I know my worth. I know what I'm doing is helpful. Um, and it was just really cool to me to hear what the bishop's job is and how in some small part yeah. I am playing a role in that, but sure, I have yeah. felt, I have felt like suppressed as a lay person multiple yeah. times, not all the time, not now, not with our current priests, not with, not with, not with like friends, priests that I'm like from online, like you, Father Harrison, whatever. Right. Yeah. But I've, I've had enough experiences like this negative experience on Twitter with this priest who's just like, I'm a priest. You're not sit down and shut up. And I've had yeah. that enough that it, that it sucks. It hurts. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. So the priest definitely like because of his role of governance in the parish, he can tell you like, we're not using you to do alpha and that's right. fine. Yeah, yeah. Um, But if he's asked you to do alpha and you accept to do this, you're working out of your own baptismal dignity. Um, it's one of those things. And, and, and my brother talks about this all the time, but it's, it, it's true too. Like when we say like we need to empower the laity, we don't mean we give the laity power. Like that's not how it works. Like, the, you know, you are baptized you are part of the body of christ you are priest prophet and king and it's sort of recognizing that and for each individual person seeing where that can fit whether that's in the parish whether that's in the workplace whether that's but it's going to be so like yeah when you do your ministry in the parish it's the priest who's asking you to take on this area but you're working out of your own baptismal dignity um that makes sense yeah i I think so yeah Yeah, I think I think there's just some kind of like I think I made that priest feel uncomfortable. And oh, probably because he he got pushed back on, and I mean, people with very little power cling very tightly to it, and a newly ordained priest might be clinging real tight to the little power he thinks he has, and uh, then they get all uppity when yeah, he, someone on Twitter says, he, "No, you're being dumb." He, he didn't know who he was barking at, and he didn't yeah. realize that I was a very large dog that knows what he's barking <laughs> about, you know. Um, but. I think as I've gotten older, because I, I, yeah. I would not have pushed back like that 10 years ago when I was first starting right. out as a youth minister. Yeah. Um, so it has been like a maturation for me. But again, mm-hmm. kind of like the prayer thing the last time, I feel like when I push back against priests like that, who's being a jerk to me, so I responded, yes, probably a little jerkish, but with in truth... I yes. literally shared the canon law that says I am an approved diocesan preacher in the yeah. diocese that I'm approved to preach. If I went to your diocese and said I was preaching... He could yell at me all he wants because I haven't been approved by your bishop. Yeah. But you know what I would do before I come and preach to your diocese? I'd <laughs> yeah. get approved by your bishop. Yeah. Like so it's like it's stuff like that where it's like it was like an assumption of I don't know what I'm doing because I'm a silly layperson. Yeah. When I sorry, buddy, you're 30 years old. I've been doing this for longer than you have. <laughs> you <Yeah>. know, like, <laughs> mm-hmm. it was just this really interesting thing. And um it was it was healing for me to hear this clerically speaking podcast that uh, that you weren't on. Yeah. Um they were talking about a bishop and just like, I don't think I had ever heard. I've heard those three things separately, priest, yeah. prophet, king, but mm-hmm. then to sanctify, preach and govern. I never yeah. noticed that they were literally linked. Like a priest oh, yeah. sanctifies a prophet, preaches a king governs. Um, yeah. So it always felt like those, those last three, the action words of like mm-hmm. sanctify, preach and govern. I always kind of saw that as bishop, as priest. Got it. But mm-hmm. then I was literally listening to that podcast in the car, like driving to foundations. Like I'm doing those tonight. Yeah. And it was this cool, like, uh, it was kind of like the last little healing that I needed from that nice. negative interaction with that priest of like, you know what? Screw that guy. I'm doing it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it, yeah, it goes to show that like, and this is something I worry about, um, that even if the, even though that, that priest was a young guy, 30 years old or whatever, and acting like a jerk, and it doesn't mean he's a jerk all the time, just means in this interaction, he was being a jerk. Um, that still affects us because it's still coming from a priest, you know? So right, right, right. priests always have to be aware of that, uh, cause you can make someone a good boy, like Taylor Schroll messed up in the brain even more so for a few weeks until the Lord heals him. <laughs> it's been months. Uh, the guy's back. <laughs> the guy's back and he has a, he's holding a millstone. I think he wants me to put it on you. <laughs> oh. 
He sells solar panels and millstones. And millstones. Yeah, He's really cornered the market. What a strange, strange boy. Wow. Speaking of strange boys, thank you for helping this strange boy through all of these things that we discussed today. I appreciate it. That's Father Anthony Eugene Sharapa. I'm Taylor Stroll. I'll be back next week. He'll be back next month. See ya! Thank you guys for watching and listening today. We hope that you enjoyed it. I definitely learned a lot. I had a lot of questions coming to today's show, and I got a lot of them answered from our good Catholic priest, Father Anthony Shrupp. And nobody tell him that I said that because uh, he does, he's definitely not listening. Uh, because why would he listen to a show that he's on? That's so silly. So uh, I hope that you guys have a great week. Enjoy the beginning of Lent. This is coming out right before Ash Wednesday. Uh, we hope that you get your ashes. Uh, and that uh, just please don't give up podcast for Lent. Please. We need you guys. <laughs> Love you. See you soon. Or in 40 something days. But hopefully see you soon. Love you.